Welcome. We are so glad that you decided to join us online. And today, I have the privilege of talking with you about something that I feel like I'm sensing. And as the the last few weeks of the pandemic have gone by and talking with a number of people, I feel like it's something that generally speaking, we're sensing as a culture. And it's the fact that we're exhausted. We're tired. I'm getting the sense that we're tired of the new normal. Uh, Zoom's become a four-letter word. We're tired of wearing masks. We're tired of social distancing. We're tired of flattening the curve. We're tired of the political tension. We're tired of racism. We're tired of injustice. We're tired of not being able to travel or go to our favorite restaurants. We're tired of not being able to see the people that we want to see. We're tired of these social media wars that are unfolding and these debates that are happening to no real end or no real solution. And just when we thought things were starting to reopen, things are closing again and we're tired. And frankly, I think that the cultural moment that we're in right now has been absolutely exhausting. From the pandemic to the events that have triggered and reinvigorated conversations about racial inequality and injustice, I feel like we're experiencing a whole new level of exhaustion. And depending on how you're processing all these issues and the cultural moment that we're in, uh, we might be tired for different reasons, but I would wager that you're tired, generally speaking. And many times, um, when, when it comes to exhaustion, I feel like exhaustion is this two-punch combo. It's like this 50-50 split between the initial shock and confusion and self-pity that ensues when we face difficult circumstances, and then the other half of it is the actual difficult circumstance that we face. And so it stands to reason in my mind that we might not be able to, to control our circumstances, but there is a chance that maybe, just maybe, we can control how we respond to them. Now, I don't know about your track record, but I don't feel like I make the best decisions when I'm exhausted. Uh, Now, let me rephrase that. Actually, there's a direct correlation between the lowest points in my life and the worst decisions that I've ever made and my level of physical, emotional, spiritual, or psychological exhaustion. Can you relate? But what if we could face the most painful parts of life in a way that helped us build endurance rather than left us feeling exhausted? What if we could be people with the endurance to face absolutely anything that life would throw our way? And that's what I want to talk about today. And in order to do that, we're going to take a look at a passage from a letter called Hebrews. It was written more than 2,000 years ago during a time that was characterized by pandemic and political tension and injustice toward women, children, and minorities, and overt racism. And uh, it, it was written to a group of people who had reached the point in their lives where they were so beaten down and burdened and burned out by what they were experiencing that they were ready to give up. And the entirety of the letter really is designed. It's this attempt to help people face the most painful realities of life without losing hope. It's about showing people what I believe is the antidote to the physical, the emotional, the spiritual, the psychological exhaustion that maybe some of us are experiencing right now. And I really think the the, the antidote to exhaustion is simply this. It's endurance. And how we respond to the most painful parts of life really uh, is either going to exhaust us or help us build endurance. And so what Hebrews has to say about endurance might be more necessary now than it's ever been. And I'm no historical uh, expert, but I, I feel like it's really hard for me personally to believe that there's ever been a culture that screams faster than we do or gets more triggered than we get or wants to put people on notice faster than we do. And I think we can all attest to that to some degree or another. I also think that each one of us could attest to the fact that 2020, frankly, drove everything and everyone 
off course. And I think that's exactly what happened to Admiral Jim Stockdale on September 9th, 1965, when his A-4 Skyhawk was gunned down and he was captured and became a prisoner of war. Now, Stockdale prior to that had graduated from the Naval Academy and he went on to be one of the most highly decorated officers in the Navy. And in fact, he was the only three-star general to ever wear both aviator wings and don the Medal of Honor. And accolades aside, however, the most galvanizing experience of Stockdale's life were the seven years that he spent as a POW during the Vietnam War. During that time, he spent four years in solitary confinement. During two of those years, he was locked in leg irons and he was brutally tortured more than 15 times. But despite all of this, he was able to endure everything that the POW camp threw his way and was released in 1973. Now, years later in an interview, the interviewee asked him the question that I think all of us would ask him after hearing his story, and it was simply this. How in the world did you survive? And here's what Stockdale said. And this is so important. If we're going to be people that can face absolutely anything. Here's what he said. He said, I've never lost faith in the end of the story. I never doubted not only that I would get out, but also that I would prevail in the end and turn the experience into the defining event of my life, which in retrospect, I would not trade. Now hear this. He went on to say this. What I'm about to say is the next lesson to take away from all of this. You must never confuse faith that you will prevail in the end as a reason to avoid confronting the most brutal facts about your current reality, whatever that might be. So in other words, in other words, how we endure the most painful parts of life is a declaration of where we've placed our hope. And so what, so what Stockdale is sharing with us is such a powerful perspective. And really, I believe that it helps us understand what endurance looks like. So endurance isn't rejecting the most painful parts of life so that we can make it to some proverbial finish line. Endurance is what allows us to look ahead to the finish line while we face the things that are in front of us right now, however painful they may be, and embracing them as part of the journey. And this is the kind of endurance that the writer of Hebrews talks about. And here it is, right in chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, where we read, Therefore, since we also have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source and perfecter of our faith who for the joy that lay before him endured a cross and despised the shame and has sat down at the right hand of God's throne. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself so that you won't grow weary and lose heart. I believe that this passage shows us that endurance is a declaration of hope. Now just before these verses, in chapter 11 we read, Now faith is the confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Faith is confidence in the end of the story. And then from there, we hear about 16 different people who experience some of the most painful things that life can bring, but like Stockdale, they never lost faith in the end of the story. They had the endurance to keep going even though, we, when the, even though they felt faithless and even when things around them were falling apart. And with every name, the writer mentions pain, loss, sorrow, and despair. Yet in every single case, these people kept going, not because they had all the answers, 
but because they were able to face what was in front of them without losing faith in the end of the story. Ultimately, their endurance was a declaration of hope. Then in chapter 12, verse 1, we're told that this cloud of witnesses, that this group of people, that, that people like Abel and Enoch and Noah and Abraham and Joseph and Isaac and Jacob and Rahab and Samson and Sarah and Gideon and all the prophets should be a reminder to us that we should never lose faith in the end of the story and that we should never stop confronting the brutal, most painful realities of life that we face right now because every time we do, we're making a declaration of hope. Now in the second half of verse one, we're presented with this issue and it's the issue underneath of all of the issues. It's the issue underneath of injustice. It's the issue underneath of racism. It's the issue underneath of every bad experience that we've ever had. And, and, And here it's being personified as something that has a hold on us, something that surrounds us and something that ensnares us. It, we're being told that it's everywhere and that's exactly what the phrase so easily ensnares us means. It implies that there's not an area of life that, that doesn't feel the weight of sin. That the brutal consequence of sin is that nothing, nothing and no one is as they should be or as it should be. And the writer of Hebrews is talking about sin the same way that we talk about air or energy. We can't see hair, we can't see energy, but they're everywhere. They surround everything, they affect everything. And sin is like an entity that you can't see, but it impacts everything and everyone. And according to this passage, sin is the ultimate issue. It's the issue underneath of all the other issues. It's the issue that's creating all the weight and all the exhaustion that we feel every time we sense that something's wrong in us or around us. I think we understand this on a personal on a personal level because most of us have had an encounter where we made a bad decision and it resulted in some negative or bad consequence. I think we can all attest to that. You don't even have to be a follower of Jesus or use words like sin to validate the fact that you've experienced uh, the, the bad repercussions from somebody or your own bad decision. We, we understand this because we've experienced it. But I think there's something much more difficult for us to accept. And it's the fact that the consequences of sin stretch far beyond personal repercussions. This is the part that we tend to to deny or discredit. And maybe we do that because it seems unfair that sin would have its way in the world and ruin everyone and everything on some level. Or maybe we resist it because it just seems far too out of our control and we like to be in control. But just because we resist believing something doesn't mean that it's not real. And the fact is this, that when sin entered the world, nothing was left untainted. And and in life, in so many ways, according to the writer of Hebrews even, became this agonizing struggle that can leave us feeling exhausted. Now when we read, let us lay aside every weight and sin, and the sin that so easily ensnares us, let us run with endurance the race that lies before us. The word race literally means agonizing struggle. And so running the race set before us, according to the writer of Hebrews, means embracing the reality that because something is deeply wrong with everything, life can be an agonizing, exhausting struggle. It can feel like a regimen of difficulty and pain. And the root cause of the agonizing struggle ultimately is sin and all the consequences that come with it. And I personally don't like this. I don't like the fact that when sin entered the world, uh, life became an agonizing struggle. 
But this is a fact that we can't deny because we've experienced it. We, not, we might not call it sin, but I think we can all agree that because of pandemics and because of injustice and because of racial conflict and because of illness and every time we lose someone that we love, we get this deep sense that something is wrong beyond our control. We experience it every time we see bad things happen to good people. And something in us screams out for justice. And I'd, I'd much rather have good things happen to good people and bad things happen to bad people so that that becomes their, their wake-up call and they actually change. But we've lived long enough to know, to know better than that. And if we continue to cling to myths like only good things should happen to good people, not only are we losing touch with reality, but we'll fall apart in the face of adversity. And according to the writer of Hebrews, there's no way around adversity other than facing it. But facing it is only half the battle. How we face the most painful parts of life is is really what defines us. And here we are told to face pandemics and racial inequality and suffering and death and rejection and feeling faithless and feeling isolated by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source and perfecter of our faith. And here's what the writer of Hebrews shows us. And here's what we need to know as followers of Jesus if we're going to run with endurance. Followers of Jesus have, have never ever held as a core belief that bad things can't happen to good people. In fact, we believe the opposite, that the worst possible thing, that an innocent person was brutalized and executed as a result of unbridled injustice happened to the best possible person, Jesus. But by enduring, enduring the worst possible thing, Jesus became the source and perfecter of our faith. That for the joy that lay before him, because he never lost faith in the end of the story, Jesus endured a cross and despised the shame. Jesus faced the most painful part of life, the ultimate weight of sin, the ultimate weight of death, and has sat down at the right hand of God's throne. And here's what that last part means. Because Jesus endured the ultimate weight of sin and death, we can run with endurance and face the most painful parts of life without losing faith in the end of the story. Because if sin and death couldn't stop Jesus, they can't stop his followers from finishing the race. And when Jesus conquered sin and death, he lifted once and for all the weight of sin that exhausts us. And with that weight lifted, we can fight for justice and racial equality. That's why we can bear each other's burdens and enter into each other's pain. That's why we can work to alleviate the pain and suffering. That's why we can disadvantage ourselves for the advantage of others. This is why we give generously to people in our community. And this is exactly what the cloud of witnesses was known for. It's what the early church was known for. Because they kept their eyes on Jesus, they refused to deny the most painful realities of life. In fact, because their eyes were set on Jesus, they entered the most painful realities of life and they were able to endure what was destroying everyone and everything. And in doing so, they literally became a declaration of hope to a hopeless world. Listen to what Eusebius wrote about Jesus' followers in the first century. He says this, he says, in awful adversity, through disease and pandemic, they, the Christians, alone gave practical proof of their sympathy and humanity. 
all day long. Some of them tended to the dying and to their their burial, countless numbers with no one to care for them. Others gathered together from all parts of the city, a multitude of those withered from famine and and distributed bread to them all, so that their deeds were on everyone's lips. And they glorified the God of the Christians. Look, first century Christians didn't resolve all the conflict in the world. They didn't eliminate poverty or the potential of a future pandemic. They ran with endurance and with every step they declared hope to a hopeless world. And so as followers of Jesus, we should be the first ones on the scene fighting for justice, working to eliminate poverty, and and fighting to resolve conflict. We should be the first ones to admit, however, that none of those issues is the ultimate issue that we face. We don't run with endurance because we have all the answers to all the issues, we run with endurance to declare that Jesus is the ultimate answer to the ultimate issue. And as countercultural as that may sound, the main issue isn't the pandemic, it's not injustice, it's not pain, it's not illness. The ultimate issue underneath of all of those issues is sin. And following Jesus means that we have a heightened awareness that something is deeply wrong in us and around us that we really are powerless to do anything about. And so following Jesus and running with endurance means that we never lose sight of the fact that Jesus is the ultimate hope of the world. In this passage that we're looking at in Hebrews, here's what it suggests. It suggests that the only way to run with endurance is by keeping our eyes on Jesus and facing the most painful realities of life without losing faith in the end of the story. Now, Jesus didn't stand on the sideline and and just offer solutions. He entered into our pain and ultimately he became the solution. He became one of us and he experienced exactly what we experienced. He saw his friends die. He felt isolated. He felt rejected. He saw poverty. He saw injustice. He experienced it personally. And he felt the exhaustion and the weight that the world can bring to our lives. He faced what we faced. He felt what we feel. And in Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15, it's explained like this. For we do not have a high priest, talking about Jesus, who's unable to empathize with our weakness. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. And implicit here is that weakness is part of the human condition. And really, it's implying that there's no way around that. But there is a way to endure it, and it's through Jesus. And the good news is this, that, that our high priest, that Jesus understands this and can empathize with our pain and our exhaustion. And in his letter to the Philippians, Paul said it like this. He said, Jesus being the very nature of God did not consider equality with God as something to be used to his own advantage. So in other words, Jesus didn't go through life looking for the loophole. He never took a shortcut. He never ran from adversity. He never denied the most painful realities of life. Jesus experienced life just like we experience it. But more important than that, Paul goes on to tell us that Jesus humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on a cross. And it's because of this that Jesus ran with endurance and finished the race by enduring the cross that right now we can do what that cloud of witnesses did and we can do what our first century brothers and sisters did as they lived caught between this future hope and a present world wrecked by pain, 
illness, injustice, suffering, and death. And if you're here today and you're a follower of Jesus, I hope that this helps you see that Jesus would love to enter into your exhaustion and give you endurance. And here's the invitation that I believe will allow you to run with endurance. Listen to what the writer of Hebrews says in chapter 4, verse 16. He says, Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Now look, when you're going through a season of life that has you so beat down and so exhausted that you want to give up, when you realize that life is more of an agonizing struggle than you expected, you can approach God with confidence that he won't just hear you, that he'll empathize with you and he'll give you grace, he'll give you mercy right on time every single time. And the reality is that life can often feel like an agonizing struggle that no one can avoid, filled with problems that no one can seem to solve. But as followers of Jesus, our hope isn't that everything's going to work out today. Our hope is that eventually everything is going to work out. That a day is coming when we will experience the promise of Revelation chapter 21 verses 4 through 5 that simply say this, Look, God is dwelling with humanity and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will no longer exist. Grief, crying, and pain will exist no longer, because the previous things have passed. The day is coming and our ultimate hope is that Jesus didn't just come to die for our sins, but he came to demonstrate that he has power over every consequence of sin that we face, even death. And it's because of Jesus that we can run with endurance through the most painful parts of life without losing faith in the end of the story. We have a hope that one day the world will be as it should be, that one day there will be no more sin, there will be no more sorrow, there will be no more suffering, there will be no more death, but not yet. So in the meanwhile, let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, knowing that every step we take is a declaration of our hope in Jesus. Now, if you're here today and you find yourself disagreeing with what you just heard, please know that all I'm asking you to do is consider what you believe. And as you do, I want to leave you with something that a man by the name of C.S. Lewis said about life. He said this, he said, if I find in myself desires which nothing in this world can satisfy, the only logical explanation is that I was made for another world. So in other words, if you look around at the world that we live in, right now, and there's, and there's any part of you in response to the pain or the suffering or the injustice or the inequality or the hate, if there's any part of you that sees that and longs for a better world or wants to fight for justice, or if there's any part of you that feels like this world has nothing that can ultimately satisfy you, all I'm asking you to do is consider that the most probable explanation for those feelings is that you were made for another world. And the only way to find what you're ultimately looking for is through Jesus. And I believe that Admiral Stockdale was right, that we must never lose faith in the end of the story. 
It's our hope in the end of the story that a day is coming when there will be no pain, no more suffering or death that allows us to run with endurance. This is not the end. Everything we're experiencing right now is just a reminder of the fact that this isn't the end. Our circumstances are are a simple reminder of our need for a Savior. They're just another reminder that one day Jesus will in fact make all things new and that we were made for another world. But for now, let us run run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the ultimate hope of the world.